Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. It is January 20th, 2021, the final day of Donald Trump's presidency. By the time you are listening to this, my guess is that Donald Trump is off into his sulking exile, a defeated, disgraced, twice impeached president who uh, will be the first of the, I guess, uh, pariah ex-presidencies. And who better to celebrate this particular moment, the non-peaceful transfer of power? Is it normally would be, we'd be talking about the peaceful transfer of power, but I think that that's, that's, uh, I don't, I don't think that brand applies. Um, Our own, our own Tim Miller, who got up early on the West Coast to watch the president make his walk of shame to air to uh, Marine One. So good morning, Tim. Good morning, Charlie. I've already um, I've already cried this morning. Uh, in case you just wondered my state of affairs, um, I've already wow. been angry, uh, been joyous, had tears. Uh, so you know, it's uh, it's seven oh six a.m. Pacific time. So that's mm. just going to be one of those kind of days. There, there have been no tears here, just so you know. But but I do think <laughs> that I mean, look, we we need to be very sober about this. This is a really important day. We've worked for this for a very very long time. So and I do think that it is important to mark this day, one of the most iconic moments of our democracy with the seriousness and the solemnity that it deserves. Oh my! But so um, uh, you know, nice Charlie, just if any of your listeners want to uh, want to just kind of go with that vibe and take a pause here, um, yeah. I, I also played uh, this morning something really sober and enjoyable, which was the song "F You" by Lily Allen, uh, which has the lyrics: "We hate what you do, and we hate your whole crew, so please don't stay in touch." Uh, and then we get to spell our four favorite letters. So it's a nice little way to get your morning going as well. Okay. So I told, I, t- I told Jim to hold this to the end, but since, since we're in this kind of mood here, okay. I did wake up and I was, I was humming a tune. I was, I was humming this tune. I'm guessing you did, you did as well. You know, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. We've, we've, we've waited a very, very long time for this morning. <laughs> and of course, I can I can just, I can just hear all the anti anti Trump people saying, "Oh, are you guys going to be bitter? Aren't you going to be gracious? Isn't this a moment for grace? I thought you wanted to heal." Okay, wait. Um, having just witnessed the most graceless departure from the White House in modern American political history, uh, please, you folks that sat on the sidelines, you know, and for for the last four years, you know, why don't you sit this one out? So um, yeah, I know it's painful for them, Charlie. It's hard. I've already had a couple of them lashing out at me on Twitter this morning, um, and uh, one Newsmax guy made fun of my hair, and it's t- it's got to be hard, you know. Okay, it's got to be wait, particularly wait, wait, wait. A, a new a Newsmax guy is making fun of your Newsmax. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, Newsmax anchor. Yeah, he told me I was sanctimonious, uh, and uh, he made fun of my midlife crisis hair. I may have midlife crisis hair. That may be right, but um, I-, I feel like. It was a little bit of a lash out uh, for for somebody that feels bad on the inside. You know, I mean, these are these are people. This must be a hard uh, day for them. Yeah, I mean, the pure magas, they're sad. You know, I saw Don Jr. was crying this morning. That was hard to see. Um, but but it must be particularly painful for the people that 
deep in their little Jiminy Cricket conscience and knew he was bad and, and, and were kind of against him in private and, you know, whispered that to their Democratic friends, but, um, but just couldn't quite get there ever publicly because of, you know, their job or partisanship or because the libs are terrible or because, you know, Charlie Sykes is annoying on MSNBC or whatever, whatever the reason was. And uh, it must be hard for them because they can't really they can't really enjoy it with the same pure enjoyment that we have today. And and they want to take us down a peg. So, well, no, and they're, they're, they're angry goobies. Of course, there's, there's nothing worse than, than being right too soon. Right. I mean, do you, do you, do you remember the stories of of, you know, the the, the folks who accused um, uh people who broke away from say communism for being this is the actual phrase in history premature anti-stalinism okay stalin turned out to be a monster but you broke too early <laughs> you 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 should have waited until it was fashionable you should have waited till lillian hellman told you it was okay so the folks are sitting around at national review and the washington examiner saying okay okay so he's disgraced he was really really horrible but at least we didn't suffer from the Trump derangement syndrome of, I don't know, Bill Crystal and Tim yeah. Miller and Charlie. At least, Zyde. I mean, we, I mean, come on, these crazy okay. never Trumpers who even, they went so far, Charlie, they went so far as to even attack our great United States senators for going along with the coup that led to their near death at the Capitol. I mean, you know, these anti-never Trumper guys wanted to wanted to criticize those senators and take them out too because, you know, on January 5th, the night before the insurrection, they were all supporting pro-coup candidates. You know, that is now that's just that's just a step too far. So, so it's really you guys are about it's it's tough for them. I get it. I get it. You got you got to grasp onto something on a day like today and um and I'm not, you know, we can't let them grasp onto our uh, our branches. Well, you, you know, the, the great forgetting is about to begin, which is we, we, we have to just forget all the bad stuff. I mean, the Wall Street Journal is trying to say, you know, please don't let the, these final weeks define the presidency mm-hmm. because it's all that good stuff. Uh, here's the reality check. Uh, the, the the stuff that's happened over the last several weeks and months will define this presidency. Nobody um, 50 years from now is going to remember what the GDP was, what the unemployment rate was. Nobody is going to be saying, Donald Trump, um, what he's most remembered for is regulatory reform. He's going to be remembered for two things, the human carnage of the pandemic and for uh, the, his role in the insurrection and his graceless departure from the White House and the fact that he was impeached twice. I mean, that's it. You know, <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, and I would go actually flip it. Uh, JVL had a great, great yeah. uh, tryout about this. It's a, it exactly uh, right. day before that folks should read. That it was I, I. I don't know if I go to exactly right because I would flip. You know, he said that it was the pandemic that will be the most remembered. I mean, our current president this morning in his farewell speech, which I know we'll get to uh, relish in here in a minute, um, got the wrong year of the last pandemic. Uh, you know, so I'm not even sure. You know, I, I, I truly believe that a hundred when we're talking a hundred years from now. That, that they look that that you know presuming our democracy uh, survives, presuming that that we you know press forward uh, and, and don't have a you know we don't slide back into this kind of soft authoritarianism that the Trumpists have pushed. Um, I, you know I think that they look back on this and see 
this his second impeachment, the insurrection of the Capitol, the fact that he did not want to pass the the, the peaceful transition of power. I, I, that I think is the moment that people look back on, and I, and I think that the pandemic is then mentioned as well, and his irresponsibility yeah. in handling it. The fact that he got it, you know, is a little nugget that you know that you'd put in a sixth grade history textbook. But I, 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 I this is it, and and you know, to your point, that Wall Street Journal editorial about how oh how you know we don't want to tarnish the legacy of. Betsy DeVos or whatever. And it's, uh, you know, Steve Mnuchin. It's just like, hey, nobody's going to remember these people. <laughs> no and, one And nobody looks at Hungary. And it's also just absurd. It's like nobody looks at Hungary and is like, you know, Victor Orban, bad guy. But his, you know, his minister of labor is really doing a great job. You know, that's just not how this stuff works. If this you miss that badly on the big stuff. Yeah, this this is almost actually. I'm gonna let me take out the word. This is this is really in the. But he made the trains run on time territory. Yeah, right. I mean, this really this this, this really is. And um, no, what what JVL did that I think was was really good was to point out that most presidents are remembered for very specific things. You know, George W. Bush is going to be remembered for 9/11, the war in Iraq, right? I mean, Bill Clinton yeah. for impeachment. George H. W. Bush, first Iraq war. There's always one sentence: Ronald Reagan bringing down the Soviet Union. Jimmy Carter, Malays. Poor George, just a quick aside, poor George H.W. Bush. I mean, he reunited Europe. And yeah. if you want, if Donald Trump's people want to be sad, they're not going to get their judges mentioned or whatever. I mean, George well, H. Bobby right. Bush reunited freaking Europe. He doesn't, he didn't even get that mentioned in JVL's newsletter. That made me sad. It, no, but, you know, it, it also makes, brings home the point. But, but Supreme Court justices. So yeah, this is here. Here's a trivial pursuit question. Antonin Scalia, William Rehnquist, Thurgood Marshall, Wizard White, who appointed them? Really quick. I mean, you, you'd have to be deep into the Federalist Society to be able to answer those questions. Um, so you know, Donald Trump's legacy, I think, is pretty much established. And and frankly, it's also being sealed today. Uh, this I really was struck. I, mean, I want to get to I'm getting ahead of myself for a moment. But, you know, he, he, the one thing that Donald Trump is somewhat good at is is sort of, you know, choreographing himself, you know, his celebration of self at, at Andrews Air Force Base and all that stuff, you know, the, the rallies and everything. But the way he choreographed his departure from the White House, he looked small, he looked diminished, he looked like a disgraced president. And and so his his legacy is still being determined right now by the way he is exiting. And before we get into all of this, um, our colleague Barry Rubin has come up with a video that I think puts in context the the departure of of President Trump and what a dramatic betrayal of American traditions and not just not just dusty old traditions but fundamental norms about the transition of power and so you you can find this online you do this for Republicans for the Rule of Law but let's just play the audio of this just kind of a flashback to way the way other presidents have handled days like today. Five days from now, the world will witness the vitality of American democracy. The presidency will pass to a successor chosen by you, the American people. This is the most corrupt election in the history, maybe, of the world. Hillary, Chelsea, and I join all Americans in wishing our very best to the next president, George W. Bush. You will have an illegitimate president, and we can't let that happen. I committed the president-elect Trump and my administration would ensure the smoothest possible transition. You will have a president who was voted on by a bunch of stupid people who lost all of these things. In the eyes of many in the world, this every four-year ceremony we accept as normal is nothing less than a miracle. Because we're going to have somebody in there that should not be in there and our country will be destroyed and we're not going to stand for that. 
And here we are. So, Stuff Tim Miller. Makes you want to throw up, isn't it, Charlie? Well, it, it, it also just reminds you of how dramatic the events of the last couple of weeks were. I mean, think about the last two weeks. Two weeks ago today, we had the assault on the Capitol with the with the design of stopping the counting of the electoral votes. It, it, it is so off the charts uh, that, that I, I, I'm not sure that that. That, that even critics have fully grasped the magnitude of it or the enormity of it. A week ago today, uh, Donald Trump became the first president in American history who was impeached twice. And today um, he has he's departed and Joe Biden is being sworn in. So you were telling me that you had an emotional reaction this morning. Just, just to tell so yeah, what, 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 what were you watching and how did you react? I, I, well, I, I was I was watching him leave um, after uh, you know after I kind of laughed when YMCA came on, um, and then I I just sort of watched him walk up the stairs to the plane uh, to leave the final time, and I I, I just I, I started actually crying like real tears, <laughs> not 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 um, you know getting misty, and I and I sort of heaved, and I and I don't even know why, you know, it was kind of this just. Climate. It's just this finish, this sort of release, right? I mean, it was it was a little bit of happiness and a little bit of sadness of how we got here. I mean, I still feel this wistfulness, like listening to that that video. You know, it's like I, I maybe, I, I, and what I think we've learned is that that I thought everybody else was like this, and I, and yeah. apparently not. But I really bought all that bullshit. Charlie, I oh, really bought it. Too. Like I the Reagan totally stuff did. and the Bush and Obama. You know, even when Obama won and I had voted for McCain, worked for McCain, you know, I felt emotional at that at that transition of power. Uh, what a great moment that was for our country, the first black president, and, and, and how and how lovely it was to have, you know, the Bushes up there and, and, and their pains to, to the American transition of power. All, all of that resonated deep within me. And, and, and as kind of a nerdy, you know, government, uh, like, you know, politics loving kid, I, like I, all that stuff moved me as, as a young person. And, and so a big part of all this, why it's so painful is like, is to just see all of the people that I thought were, were, were with me on that, were experiencing those emotions, uh, just totally dismiss the way that Donald Trump has tarnished and trampled on it and, and, and minimize it as if it's, as if it's not a big deal at all. And, and, or in some cases to actively support it and to cheer it on. And, and that's why it's been so nice to have this community and, you know, that for Trump and the bulwark and all, all of you, because it's like, I'm like grabbing onto Charlie's shoulders. So like there's somebody else who is with me about the, this is like a real loss. Uh, and so I just think it was this combination of emotions of this sort of joy and, and relief of getting rid of him, but but still, you know, a, a real sadness about the fact that we that it happened got here. Yeah, that, that it happened and millions of Americans were willing to fight to keep him in office. I mean, I, I think that that's the, the flip back and forth. How did we get here? What was the damage? But but I also think that I, I I'm, I'm, I'm and I'm working on this is that this is the day to be happy, to celebrate. We can go back to the recriminations later, although we did a little bit of recriminations. Later. A little bit. But I mean, listen, let, 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 let's, let's enjoy this. But I have to say that I was really struck by um, the contrast last night when, when, when Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, and, their, and their families held that ceremony for the COVID, uh, the, oh. the people who had died from, from COVID. It was an extraordinary moment that sort of illustrated the... This the the, the dramatic con, the split screen 
in terms of empathy, compassion, and decency between these two men. Now, look, there's going to be a lot of things I'm going to disagree with that Joe Biden uh, has done. In fact, I disagree with some things he's doing now. But, but having said that, it is such a dramatic transition. And I was watching that, and I'm, I'm sure this is not an original thought, but what happened last night was something that, that Donald Trump not only never did, but that he was incapable of doing. And that that we have had 400,000 Americans die. My, my neighbor who lives right across the street from me here in Mequon, Wisconsin, just died yesterday from, 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 from COVID. Oh. And yet we have a president of the United States who gave up on it, who has minimized it, who has attacked people who want to take it seriously. Um, and this, this is very much his legacy. And then you have Joe Biden coming in and he did, he didn't say a lot, but you could tell this is a man who actually has a level of humanity that we have been missing for the last four years. It was really, it was really, you know what I'm saying? It is really strange. I don't want to fall into you know, um, you know, you know, gushing about Joe Biden because I mean he's 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 going to be a flawed politician, as are all politicians. But in this category, that was that was a remarkable moment. I thought. Yeah, and Todd, my and for me, uh, that I hundred percent with uh, agree with everything you just said. And but for me, it was it was this morning um, that hit me a little more when they were walking out of church. You know, and and again. Um, this is maybe my Catholic school kid um, uh, getting getting you know um, brought up within my emotions, but again, this Joe Biden that is important to him. You know, his faith is important to him. Uh, he was attacked for this by people on the right uh, throughout the campaign. The president attacked him, said that he was going to get rid of God, mm-hmm. and, and and he had that bipartisan gathering at St. Matthew's in DC this morning and and just sort of watching everybody walk out of walk out of church solemnly but um but but with pride uh, you know this is something that he that that is part of Joe Biden that 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 he is earnest about that you can sense when he's talking about his faith you can sense when he's talking about you know the Irish Catholic Irish Catholic references that only us Catholic kids get sometimes um and, and and again, the contrast between somebody who used that, who used religion as a cudgel only, you know, who used it as a prop to tear down. Um, it's just every step of the way, every set piece is is a contrast. Well, this is such an important point because this has become sort of central to much of Trump world is that this is all about God and religion and about Christianity. And you look at you look at. Joe Biden, well, this, this man is a Christian. He really is, whether you like this or not. He, 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 you know, so the whole narrative of how the Democrats hate God and they hate America. What are you talking about? What, what, what do you mean? I think this whole campaign, and I'm just really quick, Charlie, I just want to yeah. say this for the Catholic school kids out there. Actually, Joe Biden is a Catholic. Okay. He's so earnest about this that, like, yeah. you know, politicians. This is the difference. This is what I'm saying. Politicians would say, "I'm a Christian," right? Yeah, because yeah, you want to appeal yeah, yeah. to yeah, the yeah, broadest right, right, number right, of right. people, right? Joe Biden isn't that. He's a Catholic, and he's been going to church every Sunday and on all the holy days of obligation since like 1941, <laughs> right? And uh, and and that and that is part of the contrast. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, you're you're absolutely right, and you you can't understand who he is without understanding that. I mean, that that is so much part. of of his identity. So one of the things that this whole last four years has really reinforced, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm still wrestling with it, and I, I, I need to write this out to understand what I actually think. And I think you, you're in the same category, that this has clarified 
what we think is important, right? That we, we, we used to think that certain things were important. We used to think the tax rates were important or the regulatory system was important or your position on abortion was the most important thing about you. And I think that what's been clarified is that maybe other things are more important. And I wrestle with this because I do this. And I understand a lot of people who are militantly pro-life are willing to set aside every other thing as long as, um, as, as long as Donald Trump was anti-abortion, they would support anything, kids in cages, uh, you know, the cruelty, the policies on immigration, the corruption, the payoff of porn stars, as long as they were. And I understand how people can become one issue voters. But I think that we also have to work through what was really fundamentally important, democratic values, liberal democracy, uh, the rule of law, uh, compassion, empathy, uh, decency, uh, a, a due consideration for truth. All of those things now seem so much more important than the things that I think you and I once thought really defined what what we really cared about in politics a few years ago. Do you agree? Yeah. In some of those ways, the differences seem stupid. You they know, do. I, mean, I, like, I look yeah. back and I'm like, you know, Solyndra, uh, I was really upset about. And, I, you know, that was a bad idea, uh, giving money to Solyndra. <laughs> but it's kind of like, who cares? I, 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 I wrestle with this too, Charlie. Here's why. Because sometimes I wonder, am I putting too much emphasis on things that are ephemeral, right? And this is what I think our critics would say, right? Mm -hmm. is that, am I putting too much emphasis on these things that are maybe um, – you know, part of this American idea that are not tangible, right? Um, you know, the the rule of law, some of these things, these things that you've said, plur, you know, pluralism, decency, human, like like that isn't, uh, you know, you can't put always draw a direct line from you know believing in these fundamental underlying American values that we are all taught um, and and thought this country stood for, and that made person X's life better. Right, I, I, and, and that's a criticism that comes from sometimes left populist people on the left who, who, you know, who say that we put too much emphasis on all this stuff and not on whatever checks for, um, you know, um, two thousand dollar checks. But, but here, I, I just, as much as I've wrestled with that, like when I where I land on this today is, I just, I think that what we saw on January sixth was just the most fundamental encapsulation of the fact that 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 this instinct is right right that mm -hmm. these overarching principles and values are more important than our disagreements over specific policy yeah, they were the, the abstractions it became very very real yeah. on january 6th yeah right because it came, it comes to life it, it sort of broke, bore out this thesis that you cannot just continue to lie to people and divide people and gaslight people and and demean people and 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 not expect that something bad happens as a result of that. And and I think that obviously the COVID response was a was a, a sign of that. But but the the insurrection at the Capitol made it extremely, extremely real. And I and I and I and I don't want to lose that memory and like let that soften as we get back into uh, you know real and important disagreements over policy matters that'll happen over the next four yeah, years but that will. will still be for me secondary i still want to to remind myself to keep them secondary to to, to what we've learned we're, we're much more important fissures that i didn't even think i wrote about this in the goodbye to all that article i didn't even realize i just we disagree <laughs> i thought everybody agreed with me on pluralism and on the rule yeah. of law I, I didn't realize that actually 80 percent of my party disagreed with me on that stuff yeah that's that's exactly where I was here. So I've spent a lot of time lately, you know, reading up on former presidents to try to get some, you know, sense of the yeah. 
where Donald Trump uh, is is going to finish, there's no doubt in my mind, by the way, spoiler alert, that he's the worst president in American history. But there are a lot of other pretty horrible presidents. I mean, there are some horrible people who have been president of the United States. Um, you know, uh, Buchanan was a terrible president, probably a pretty awful human being, uh, not as awful human being as Andrew Johnson, who is both a horrible president and a really deplorable human being. Um, you had others, you know, who are, you know, failures, who lied, uh, I know that, uh, you know, Susan Glasser writes, you know, Wilson botched the handling of the pandemic. True. LBJ and Nixon lied Wilson to the American public. A garbage a lot, person. Right, right. Yeah. You know, Clinton, Andrew Johnson were impeached. Um, other presidents were outright bigots and philanderers. And then she comes down to it. But none before Trump was all of those things at once. <laughs> It is all of it. It is the complete package. It is whatever we take, take the worst elements of the worst presidents and, 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 and bundle them together. And you have what we just had. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a historian and I, I'm not going to play one on this podcast. Um, but uh, so I, you know, James Buchanan could have been also extremely and Andrew Johnson. I mean, obviously the, the move away from reconstruction uh, was mm-hmm. just disastrous in every possible imaginable sense and reverberated through the decades, you know? And, and so how can we look right now and know, you know, what, what things look like in 2080 and how much of Trump's, um, behavior reverberates through history, and how much of it um, we we shut down over the next decade. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know the answer to that, but but I, I think that to the to the point of the fact that this is a person that does not have any redeemable characteristics, like that is something that we do know, and 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 that is the thing that to me has been so frustrating throughout this whole this whole period and and is and is so relieving today to be rid of him because he's got nothing like for me there was nothing there's not a single thing that i would look to my daughter and say i i think i i wish that you would take this from donald trump he's a terrible person but like he got this one thing right i wish that you would emulate this i can't i i, I can't think of one right and no, and, and so so that uh, that is unique that is aberrant and and it and the other thing is without going back to the 1800s in the post world war 2 era he is the only one he who who was outside of this consensus of america being a force for good of the world america supporting you know freedom loving people everywhere you know america welcoming people from uh, who are oppressed all over the world uh, he is the only one that is outside that and others have have failed to live up to it but but everyone else has at least tried and at least believed that to be true so I've said this many times over the last four years, and I, I always worry that I'm going to be misunderstood, that that Donald Trump is Donald Trump and therefore doesn't bother me as much because he is who he is, right? He's living the dream. He he has yeah. told us who he was. His character has not changed uh, since he came down the golden escalator. The real horror of the last four years is watching how people, how many people believed his lies and went along with it and supported it. The distortion of our political culture, the the incredible... Uh, you know, transformation of the Republican Party into a Vichy party, all of that. And, and and how much of it is based on absurd lies that, that you know, lies like, you know, Donald Trump was, uh, you know, a great businessman, that he was competent. I mean, he was a terrible businessman. I mean, he's the guy, he was a con man. He was a serial liar. Um, he was a fraudster. Uh, he was a serial failure with with frauds like, you know, Trump University or Trump Airlines. I mean, the long list of all of his businesses, it was always a myth. Or 
the notion that he was going to drain the swamp. And this is where I want to get. So he just really quick the before draining the swamp, yeah, just one other please, thing yeah. while we while we reflect on that. Yeah. Uh, because I tweeted this yesterday and I want to expand on it a little bit because some people are like at, like really confused in my mentions. But I said mm-hmm. that I, it actually Donald Trump was was just a hair better than I anticipated in 2016. And and that the Republicans in Congress were three ticks worse than I anticipated. And 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 I just like I, we knew who Donald Trump was. The, the right. really honestly, the only thing that I missed about his character is I, th- I, I, I did. I knew he was kind of a wimp, but I didn't realize just how much of a coward he was in a way that sort of benefited us. Right? He wanted to be loved at a, at, a, at this deep level, and and he and I expected him to be more violent. Like he wanted to pretend to be violent. Right? He's a classic bully on the schoolyard who like wants to you know make fun of the the runt kid in the class, but when one person stands up to him, he cries and cowers. You know, I, I was deeply concerned that Trump was going to, you know, inflict violence on protesters. I, I actually thought that was almost certain. And, and Lafayette square was horrible and, and, you know, will be one of the top five worst things of his administration probably. But, but, but I, I expected it to be much worse than that. Uh, meanwhile, the Republicans in Congress to just exactly what you said. Yeah. I, I did not. I, I expected at least some of them to try to fight them sometimes. <laughs> it's just it, it is just crazy to me that they went along with every single thing, with the exception of Mitt. Well, and and also the Republican base. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's the sometimes I think the focus on the elected uh, elected officials misses the point that, that they are following where the Republican grassroots has gone, and you know Trump still has a hold over them, and and so this this invasion of the body snatchers watching uh, normal human beings who suddenly go off into this alternative reality and believe things that are just not true. I mean, look, um, it, it ought to make our heads explode that million, tens of millions of Americans believe that this election was fraught with fraud and dysfunction when in fact the evidence is not just overwhelming. It is overwhelming, definitive, and gone over a hundred times that no, none of this is true. And yet tens of millions of people believe it's true. And it's going to become the stabbed in the back myth that's going to shape our politics for 30 years. This, this has been this has been a disaster. Okay, but what I was getting to was the other big lies that is that he was going to drain the swamp. One of the things that's extraordinary about those uh, pardons that he dropped in the middle of the night last night was the fact that Donald Trump went out of his way to show clemency to corrupt politicians, to his own personal cronies, not even Nixon, you know, pardoned his own Watergate cronies. Trump has broken through every single line. The number of crooked, corrupt politicians that he has now pardoned is stunning. His penchant for cruelty and war crimes, the number of people that he's, you know, uh, that uh, that he also pardoned. But I, I just want to tee this up. Steve Bannon. Let's just talk about Steve Bannon, because this seems to me like the perfect swampy moment for Donald Trump. The guy comes in with the big lie that he's uh, that he's going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. Steve Bannon goes out with this incredible grift to get the Trumpian rubes to come up with money to pay for a wall that was non-existent. He gets busted for grifting Trump people and Trump pardons him. I mean... This kind of closes the circle, doesn't it? Yeah, you're really trying to trying to pop my joy balloon, Charlie. I'm not going to let you do it. I'm not going to let you do it. Um, you know, Steve Bannon getting a pardon is just 
horrific. And uh, I mean, the fact that he did it after stealing money from Trump supporters, I, I just, I, it, it's really like you almost died, don't even know what to say about the fact that Trump supporters were working class people were robbed of their money by by this just three shirted, disgusting, racist grifter. And Donald Trump sided with him over his yes. own voters. And then, and then you know, I, but who, why should we be surprised? He's been stealing money from them for this fake coup, and he stole money from them from Trump University. And it's just, these guys are thieves. They're robbing people blind, their own supporters, the people that wear the red hats. And, you know, then we've got to get people fang- wave their finger at us and say that we're, we're the ones that are looking down our nose at them. No, fuck that. These yeah. guys are the ones that are looking down their nose at that. They think they're rubes and they're, you know, maybe right. They've stolen all their money and they're still with them. Like, wh- you know, it's and like, it's thank you, sir. May I have like- another? Yeah, it's, so, it's all done in broad daylight. This is the thing. M- most of what Trump has done has been done in real time, in broad daylight. There's been no secret about it. We've seen it, all of the stuff. Yeah. And and here we are. Okay, so. Just, I, I just I just want to yeah. stand though. As bad as that was, the Paul Manafort, which I wrote about, much pardon, uh, is is the worst pardon by far. I mean, you know, I, there were there were like 20 Mark Rich. I don't ever want to hear about Mark Rich again. There are like 20 Mark Rich pardons last night. You know, people who aren't even going to get named because there are so many bad pardons. But, the, the you know, Elliot Broidy and all these others. Uh, uh, but but the, 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 the Paul Manafort pardon. And Paul Manafort was, was uh, you know, we throw this word around, was literally acting as a traitor against America. <laughs> I mean, he had sided with the Russians because he owed them money. He was an asset to the Russians. He lied to the government about their investigation into it. And uh, he did it all to protect Donald Trump. Donald Trump paid him off. Like you said about Nixon, there's no analog. And, um, and, and, and you know, I, I think that it's important when you, when, to, when you encapsulate all these horrible pardons that, yes, it was swampy, but also it was traitorous. Yeah, and, and of course we're going to think. I figure on Fox News we're going to get a lot about what about Mark Rich? What about Mark Rich? Yeah. You're right. This is like Mark Rich times a thousand for all of these reasons. Also, including the fact that most of these people express no contrition whatsoever. Look, um, the 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 Mueller investigation I, I think was 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 a disappointment to a lot of folks, but um, we're going to be reading, you know. In, particularly on the you know pro-Trump and the anti-anti-Trump uh, right about the Russia hoax, which is, by the way, bullshit, because the Russia story was not, was not a hoax. Uh, there, was, uh, there were so many contacts, so many lies. And I think the one thing that, that we got to keep you know, reminding ourselves of is that the second half of the Mueller, Mueller report detailed, uh, I'm mean, sorry, I mean, document in great detail the, the, the obstruction of justice, which was successful. Yes. Donald Trump successfully obstructed justice. The reason we don't have the whole truth is because he dangled pardons to sleazeballs like Roger Stone and Paul Manafort and others to get them not to uh, not to cooperate. And it worked. And he fulfilled his end of the bargain. It's all right there. You know, wink, wink, nod, nod. You don't tell what you know to these prosecutors and I will pardon you. And then he does. There is no analog in American history. In fact, this is exactly what the founding fathers actually debated. George Mason, you know, at one point stood up during the ratification of the Constitution and said, you know, this is really dangerous because you could have somebody 
who um, you know might abuse the power in this particular way. And James Madison said, "Hey, nothing to worry here because if a president ever did that, if the president ever tried to you know uh, promise pardons or pardon his own cronies, his own partners in crime, well, the House could always impeach him and remove him." You know, Tim, you notice the flaw there? Uh, yeah. Well, he's the biggest law is that he should have been impeached for that too. And he wasn't, so he should have yeah. at least three impeachments. I could, I, we could probably go down the list and come up with some others, but, um, but yeah, it's, he, he matched the total number of impeachments of impeachments of all the other presidents in our history. And it was an undercount of what was deserved. Okay. As a slight digression, my favorite scene from Donald Trump's last day in office. Yeah. The limousine waiting for Joe exotic. <laughs> Do you know this story? This one, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I kind of, I, I go off on little tangents here. You know, the, the, the I, I have a thing, by the way, of, I will read every single story about the deep cleaning of the White House. <laughs> I just, I want I, yeah. I want to just think about it as, 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 as Donald Trump was walking out of the White House, you could see um, some of the housekeeping crew, you know, going down that colonnade and they were, they were going into the Oval Office and they had these things like, you know, it's like, before his foot touched the stairway, they were stripping his bed. <laughs> yeah, somebody wrote this article about how, like, well, actually, you know, the coronavirus doesn't really live on surfaces for that long, so there's no need to do this. And I was like, I don't give a shit about that. I oh, get man. the hazmat suits in there. I was like, Rubbish. if there was ever a super coronavirus bug that does live on a desk, it would be on that desk. I mean, they were... They didn't follow a single guideline. Who the hell knows what else they were doing in there? His Big Macs. I mean, I, you know, if I was the Bidens, I would I would be sleeping uh, next door. Oh, uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't one of those big blue, yeah, one of those big blue tents over the White House. Breaking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Breaking Bad. Okay, so back to Joe Exotic. Okay, this is the Tiger King star, and he's serving a, a, a prison term. And he was so confident that Donald Trump was was going to uh, be pardoning him because, of course, he's on television and he's a celebrity and a total sleazeball. So he figured he was perfect, right? And so he was so confident that they actually rented this huge, obnoxious limousine to, and parked it outside the prison. <laughs> so, so that the moment that Donald Trump pardoned Joe Exotic, Joe Exotic could come out, you know, do the fist bump and get in the big freaking limousine. And he wasn't on the list. It's just Joe like Exotic was left off the 73 yeah. pardons. Hmm? You know how it's just you have these little moments that break into this, you know, emotional and powerful and important transition of power where you're still just like, how is this our life? Yeah, so like exactly. Joe Exotic in the limo, and you know, sort of little wheezy Trump world. Do you see this though? It's like they're all waiting. They they're they're all waiting for you know American greatness, and he, it he doesn't deliver. It's just it's so pathetic. There's poor you know Joe Exotic still sitting in that cell. And the limo's gone, kind of like. So, well, by the way, what what is what is the line from QAnon? Are, are they still waiting for something to happen at noon, or are they have they moved the goalposts? I, I, so I'm just I'm praying. Will it be two o'clock. Yeah, I'm praying that there's not any one-off things. So I, I, I've been doing mm. some reading about this. Uh, you know, I, I think that the organized groups, right, the militias, uh, I, are are smart enough to know that today is not the day to do anything. Um, you know, they've got DC on lock. Um, they've, they've seen a lot of their comrades in arms uh, get arrested over the past uh, two weeks. So I, they're not, there's not going to be any actions there. But, but, but then once you go down a layer to the message board kind of crowd, um, yeah, you know, it's out there. It's all over the place. There's infighting. I, one of my friends, um, 
who, who, you know, sort of went deep cover into parlor, you know, followed one of them into their group chats and like shared with me a group chat in case I wanted to write about it. It's kind of too nonsensical to sort of to even write about real to write a full article on. But but there's tension in this group chat about, like, oh, yeah. you know, whether yeah. are we waiting? You know what I mean? Is there is, is the big action to come still? You know, are we going back to fight? Should we leave and start the Patriot Party? Uh, you know, there, I, so I, I do think that there's dissension in the ranks um, about about what exactly to do. And, you know, some people who are frustrated, who are like my, you know, I, I, one, I saw one message that was really, frankly, sad from a guy who was like, my family all thinks I'm crazy. Like, when when is my yeah. proof? When is it going to be proven that I'm right? And it's just like, it's not, you know, it's not going to happen for these people who have been, you know, sort of lied to and scammed. So I, I don't know, you know, I mean, David from, um I think it was on this podcast, actually. Uh, he's been, he, he's there, you know, said, did some research into scams and he's like, you know, scam people who get scammed yeah. cling on to it till the very last second. Right? The last thing they want to learn is that they've been scammed. So there's always something else. There's always another out. So I, you know, I, I think that it kind of remains to be seen. Um, and some of them I, I think will fall different ways. Hopefully some of them will be cleaved off enough that we can, bring back some reality uh but I don't, i'm not that i'm not that hopeful about that I, I, w- I would i would hope so but i i, I saw something online on on uh, twitter.com which is of course uh very reliable uh, somebody was actually doing one of these QAnon folks was doing a survey i actually don't know where the site was i saw it on twitter uh asking people what do you think is going to happen and of course there's a portion of them who actually believe that uh, that Biden would not be sworn in at noon today. That something would happen, but the largest uh, the plurality I think was like thirty three percent actually believed. Okay, Biden Biden is going to be sworn in at noon today, but Trump and the military have plans in the very near future. So it's just if you if you bought into the the life of being deluded, then there's always something else for you. Okay, so you mentioned the Patriot Party. I don't uh, give a lot of credence to this story. I mean, the, 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 I'm not saying the story is wrong, but the Wall Street Journal says that the president has been musing about starting his own party, the Patriot Party, because he's so pissed off at Republicans for not standing up. He's furious at Mitch McConnell. He's furious at Kevin McCarthy. So he's going, we should start our own party. I'm guessing he's just venting and that's the kind of shit he just throws up against the wall. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm 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 okay with that. I, I'm seriously okay. That that would be kind of the perfect ending to this. Area. We're not have these kind of nice things, right, Charlie? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I, but no, again, it's an example of the bottom up. So I got this text. That's why it sort of caught me off guard yesterday when when that journal story happened because I've been monitoring this Patriot Party uh, uh, text group um, for a couple of weeks now, and. Um, and so, you know, it, it seems like that's too big of a coincidence. And and that this stuff, again, like like when he was on Twitter, you know, is bubbling up from these far right extremist groups. And then, you know, he sort of picks the stuff he likes or Dan Scavino does or Don Jr. does and shares it with him. So, I, I, I mean, there, there's something to it. Uh, again, he, he's he's not the kind of guy that is successful at, you know, actually building and creating things. I know that right. that's contrary to his brand, but um, but that's that's not what he's good at. He's good at putting his name on other things. Um, which is why he succeeded in the Republican Party takeover. Um, so I, I don't really see it happening, but well, you know, uh, there's the "let them fight" uh, meme that goes around. I mean, fighting is good. Um, you know, internal fighting is good um, uh, because it weakens. Uh, uh, it weakens all of them. You know, the, the the Trump will be the strongest if if the party just decides screw it. 
you know, let's let's delay the recriminations. Let's let's memory hole all this. You know, let's focus on fighting Joe Biden, and then hopefully Trump just goes away. Wink, wink. We'll just cross our fingers, and then in two years from now, a primary starts. That's the best case scenario for Donald Trump, right? He'll, he'll have time to to regroup, uh, and, yeah. and he'll, he'll be the most famous person in that primary. Uh, recriminations are good because that will potentially weaken him. It will weaken the party overall, and it will speed the cleansing that is required. So, so hopefully, even if it's not a party, you know, him him doing the Sarah Palin thing, getting involved in primaries, um, and, and actually doing it in a real way rather than just like whatever posting on you know MAGA Twitter that he that he creates or whatever, uh, is, uh, is, is the best case scenario. I, 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 I'm thinking that people are going to, that he's going to be shocked by how quickly he's diminished by this. Uh, I mean, one of the most extraordinary stories, and I haven't, I haven't checked the latest development on all of this, but does he even have a defense team for the Senate trial? I mean, and I think through think the implications so. of being the, the president of the United States as of right now and not having anyone that you can really tab to tap to defend you in front of the Senate. Is he got anybody? I I don't. I mean, I, as of right now, no. I mean, he, they're still scrambling for that. Think I mean, Jack Ellis said she won't do it. I mean, I, I'm sure Dersh will end up doing it or something. But it is crazy. It is crazy. No, it it is okay. So Ben Collins from NBC, who follows this sort of thing, since we were talking about this, that QAnon, he says, Q, this is a tweet. QAnon is not the broader pro-Trump internet, but the broader trope pro-Trump internet is hedging today. They are simultaneously making fun of QAnon supporters while hedging, hoping that the mass executions are coming. <laughs> One top post starts with, no matter what happens today. So uh, it's a strange world out there, but there's there's going to be a lot of tears, a lot of disappointment. Yeah, hopefully there's not just a one-off actor. Uh, that's just what I'm hoping for, Charlie, because I, yeah, I mean, there will be disappointment. Hopefully there's not a one-off crazy person um, and, yeah. uh, and and we can get through this because, uh, there will, those, you know, there's going to be a lot of tears today because those assholes will have tears, but, uh, you know, Biden is going to have some tears, some well-deserved tears um, from somebody that, Okay, you know. so just, just ran, random thunder. I'm, I'm looking at a picture here of what they've done with the mall with, with those yeah. flags and everything. Um, that's pretty amazing that they pulled that off. Uh, that that's all paid for by the inaugural committee, right? Yeah, and it's it, truly it, it, it's quite beautiful. So, what they've so, done, and they made fun. You know, some people were trying to make fun of David mm-hmm. Chalian, who was on CNN for talking about the scene, and and I just to me this is you know we get off here. I'm gonna go watch it. This is the moment for letting kind of those sort of patriotic feelings uh just well up because because it, it the the way that they've set it up in spite of this virus is beautiful uh it will be a reminder of the pain that everybody's going through um while also being you know this sort of hopeful look forward and and I just I've said this before but 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 Joe Biden oh we we did not have to have uh, this was not this was not preordained this like, was not inevitable no, this is an Joe, important point and, and Joe Biden has gone through so much in his life and, you know, to lose multiple kids and a wife and he could have just lobbied and given big speeches, you know, and done what a lot of other, you know, sort of ex Republicans, frankly, have done who knew Donald Trump's threat, but didn't, but, you know, would rather, you know, smoke cigars and lobby than, than do anything about it. He could have just stayed on the sidelines and, and he didn't, and it's been painful for him and it's been hard. And, 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 this is just such a good, and and we needed him. You know, we needed oh, we, him. We, we very, very much would have happened otherwise. 
Yeah, that was I, I was actually on the the Peacock Network uh, right, yeah. right after that uh, that ceremony last night, and and my first reaction was, boy, we really needed that. The country really needed that. Okay, so here's an interesting um, uh, breaking news story. Okay, that's pretty cool. Eugene Goodman, the Capitol police officer who led rioters away from the Senate chambers, yeah. will escort Kamala Harris at the inauguration as the new acting deputy House Sergeant at Arms. That's interesting. That's just so That's great. Cool. That I is mean, a great moment. Just between that, between him and and Navalny, and you know, like we're having these moments. <laughs> like I, I, I do feel. I know that I'll do feel this mm. way. Like there were times during this time where I was like, is are, is there anybody who is who is up to the moment? You know, like you know, we we definitely felt for a while. I think that we had a dearth of of heroes at this time in, in this country. Um, yeah, and uh, and man. Um, that that's great that to hear that of Goodman, and that's getting me a little bit verklempt again uh, because uh, it's a you good know, story. He was in a, t- I mean that that was, I don't, I just, I think that still, and this benefits some people to to pretend like this isn't true, so that we'll go on pretending it, but but we were on the knife's edge mm-hmm. from having dead members of Congress, knife's edge, and 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 Goodman is one of the reasons that we didn't. Well, I I know that a lot of folks, and I think this would include you, Tim, who who wanted an immediate snap trial in the in the Senate, and I and I and I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that they should have moved to uh, remove Donald Trump. But it is interesting that as time goes on, we are getting a clearer picture, and the, the evidence is coming in. The evidence is so overwhelming, and uh, I I think we know how history is going to look at that, and they will look at that as as really being on on the knife's edge, and so many things. We're on the knife's edge right then. So let's go watch this. Let's go watch um, An Extraordinary Day, something that has been a long time coming. Donald Trump is gone. Donald Trump is in exile. Uh, We are about to have uh, the swearing in of a new president and vice president of the United States. It'll be a very, very different swearing in ceremony. I mean, a very different uh, inauguration because of the circumstances than we've seen before. But um, it's going to be as significant a transition as we've experienced in decades. Uh, yeah, <laughs> certainly in my life. So thank you, Charlie. It's just been so good to do this with you. I'm so glad we were able to unite on this and to all the right. Bulwark folks. And we got the live stream tonight. I just, I, I hope that I'm, I'm, I'm able to keep it together uh, for folks um, on the Bulwark Plus live that. stream. I'm so grateful for, for everybody. We, we will be having a special live stream, Bulwark Plus exclusive live stream tonight at nine o'clock Eastern time. Uh, you are all invited if you're members of uh, Bulwark Plus. If you're not a member of Bulwark Plus, you can sign up today. I'm Charlie Sykes. Thank you so much for listening to today's Bulwark podcast on an extraordinary transformational day in American history. And there's no hype to that, that sentence. We will be back tomorrow and we will do this all over again.